Yo, welcome back to the Ednium Podcast DPS School Board Candidate Series. I hope y'all are enjoying. Uh, this is day three. Um, and in day three, we sit down with uh, District 2 uh, candidate, Carolina Villagrana. Again, as just a disclaimer, we reached out to every candidate and sat down with everyone who was willing and able. And uh, this is not an endorsement of any particular candidate. Uh, more so, this is just a conversation so we get to know the people beyond their names on the ballot. Uh, really excited. Hope y'all are enjoying. Hope it's giving you some insight. And with nothing more to say, I will say, vote. Peace. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I am uh, fantastic. How you doing? I'm good. I have my coffee. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. Uh, <laughs> me and my wife just went and looked at our bills mm -hmm. and like, added up all the money we spent on Starbucks on Starbucks or like just coffee shops in general $2,000 right a, a lot of money man mm -hmm. I think like I'm like I'm single-handedly paying rent for coffee at the point at this point like <laughs> we're spending a lot of bread but it's necessary it keeps it's a trade-off right yeah either yeah. you gotta do your job or you don't <laughs> I consider it an investment there you go investment there you go energy you gotta invest in that uh uh that that personal well-being, you yeah. know what I mean? So you can just keep going. So there's definition self-care, then go for it. Yes, yes. I shouldn't be complaining about being tired, though. You're the one probably that, that's more tired than me. I mean, running for school board. Like, how is your spirit right now? Um, Yeah, running for school board, I, I will be honest, I didn't realize how much energy I was going to need to tap in. Hmm. Um, You know, I'm, I'm a runner. Yeah. And so... This, this is not a sprint and mm. this is a marathon. And the way I describe it is there's times when you are, you have, you're like, you're motivated, you're driven, you got, you felt, you feel really confident. Mm -hmm. And there's moments when you're just in the valley yeah. and you just need to tap in really, really deep onto, to your why. Yeah. And what made me want to, to run for school board in the first place. Um, and so my energy, my spirit um, I will say there. Yeah. I'm there. Yeah. That's good. That's good. I don't know how you'd be doing the running stuff. Like <laughs> you run mar marathons, right? Or like I five days. I don't know how the whole yeah, world yeah. works. I do half marathons, um, which equates to 13.1 miles. That's crazy. One time I ran 16 miles and that made me think as why would I ever want to run a full <laughs> marathon? So I thought 13 is like my soft spot. Yeah. Yeah. Hey man, I, I got on the treadmill the other day and I ran a mile. Yeah. And I celebrated. You know what I'm saying? I don't know yeah. how you do that. No, that's how it, that's how it starts. What I, that's what I tell people. Um, and I signed up for the marathon right after, the half marathon right after uh, declaring to run hmm. for a campaign. And people said, you're crazy, right? And yeah. uh, I was like, but this is what's going to keep me like yeah. mentally stable and grounded. Yep. Um, because part of training is that you have to have your long runs and yeah. It was the only time that I felt like I had my time and my time for clarity. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so I understand why people do, mm -hmm. you know, some crazy things during some chaotic times. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Makes yeah. perfect sense. Well, I want to get into your the why you talked about a little bit, but introduce yourself for us. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if you could share a little bit about your story and how that's kind of informed your why. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, let's start there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so to first start off, my name is Carolina Villagrana. 
I say that name very proudly now because that is also part of my journey of coming to fall in love with my name was Carolina, not Carol, mm. as I used to go back in the day. And then Viagrana, um, really proud of my last name too, as it was a journey for me to fall in love with who I am and my my history. Yeah. Uh, a little bit about me and my why really starts with my my parents. Um, you know, people probably have heard the story if you haven't yet. Uh, my when my mom enrolled my oldest brother in in the nearest school, the nearest district school. Mm-hmm. Here in Denver, um, you know, a few things happened that didn't make my mom feel necessarily valued mm. in her voice and what she believed what was best for my brother. And so because we spoke Spanish at home, he was automatically enrolled in a bilingual program. And yeah. my mom raised concerns as to as to like the why, especially since she was never asked. It mm. just happened. Um and so she she raised that concern and it was never fully addressed. And so she gave it a chance and yeah. she went to go visit the program, went to go see what was happening. The way she says it, she's like, I saw learning happening in the English classroom and I saw nothing happening in the bilingual classroom. Huh. And for her, that that wasn't what my brother deserved. And ultimately, like she believed like none of the kids deserved that. Yeah. And so because of that experience with my oldest brother, it did lead my mom to enroll my, me and my brother, me, my brothers later on in Pearl Gill school. And tell the people what that is, just in case they don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's a, it's a private Catholic school. So essentially you have to pay for it, um, for school. Yep. And so I started to go to school in Southwest Denver was where I started off and just because it's paid for, this also does not mean it's quality. Huh. Um, People you know, do make that like that equivalency. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And what makes me, what makes me angry about that experience in that that part of my life, or like that, um, is that the school that I went to was predominantly, you know, first generation, um, very similar like me, um, mm-hmm. first generation kids of of parents who who migrated from like Mexico or, yeah. and so a lot of trust, a lot of trust there. Yeah. And what ended up happening was when I was in third grade, about the end of third grade, we were all outside on the playground and uh, I saw my, my brothers and his friends with this like paper, like talking about it, really excited. Like they were really excited about it. And I was just excited because I was like, I have that paper too. Yeah. And so I handed it over to my brother and come to find out it was actually my um, test scores and uh, where it showed that I was, and my brother like was like, oh my God. Yeah. And I had no idea what was happening. And it came, come to find out that I was in um, performing on the first grade level. Mm, in third grade. In third grade, about to, I guess like about to enter fourth grade. Like yeah. then act, that actually didn't hit me until this, this past year when I was starting to tell that story. I was like, Actually, I was about to enter fourth grade, yeah, which yeah. is insane. And so my mom said, absolutely not again. Um, and so she pulled me into a school that was, you know, affluent. Um, mm-hmm. And I was the only Mexicana there huh. in that school. And so not only did I stood out culturally, yep. um, I stood out academically. Yeah. And I definitely knew I was very far behind in comparison to my peers. Um, 
and it was embarrassing at fourth grade. And you could you could process it. You could tell that that was the situation even in fourth grade. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's what I would say. Kids know. Yeah. Kids know when they're they're not on grade level, or kids know when they're academically not doing well. Mm-hmm. And and so for me, I just like remember my mom trying to figure out like not only is she's already spending this money, but also like now figuring out how to get me like caught up. And yeah, thankfully I had some I had teachers who who did invest extra time in me and giving me like, you know, after school tutoring. Yeah. Um and allowed me to to catch up. I will say like <laughs> did I did I grow exponentially like in math? Like no, like I <laughs> staggered behind math that I tapped into more of like my literacy skills. Yep. Um and so that that just made a huge difference profoundly on my my academic career. Mm. And I, I say that I note I note that because another time and point of my life of how I saw like the difference of like my, I just saw a huge difference of like just quality of education even from like my cousins who yeah. were going to you know to school in Denver public schools and Aurora yeah. public schools and it bre- it breaks my heart and and so by the time I got to college. Um, a few things happened that also stood out to me and really generated to like my why is, uh, you know, I entered what I thought was a classroom and it was one of those auditoriums, right? Yeah. yeah. And I had never been in, a, in an auditorium yeah. ever with like 200 students. Mm-hmm. You and had the clicker? <laughs> thankfully, I did not You're have, not have the clicker. clicker. Oh man, the clicker joint was rough. Like, <laughs> yeah, I didn't have the clicker, but she, my professor, was sneaky of like doing some like pop quizzes just yeah. to do attendance out of a for a class of two hundred, which I totally get. Yeah. Um, but you know, when you're trying to figure out where to sit, yeah, I was trying to figure out where to sit with people who looked like me. Huh. And I didn't find anyone, so I just like kind of sat by myself because um, yeah. it was the first time I was really around like what I was looking forward to being around people who look like me or like with more diversity, you know, yeah. which wasn't how I grew up academically in school. Um, you know, I, I think about that and I think about a few things of my, my peers, my freshman year of like those seminar classes that you take. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one girl specifically that stood out to me, she's like, we we're taking English class and she's like, I was, I had a 4.0 in high school. Yeah. I, I was she's like, I got A's on my class. She's like, I'm failing. Yeah. And she didn't understand as to like why. And then I had other other friends or other um peers at that time. And they were they're like, I never had so much homework in my life. Like I've never <laughs> had two to three hours of homework. And I was like, Well, what did you get in high school? Yeah. And to me, like that was that was the norm of what I got in high school. Mm-hmm. And I, I say that because You know, their experiences that leave our, ki- our kids and, you know, people, someone like me c- could have been left asking yeah, what happened to me. Like, I was told I was ready or I was told. And, like, I feel there's this, this, this deception that kind of yeah. starts happening. Yep. And I was sitting on a student panel. So it led me to get really involved. And I was um, sitting on a student panel for a local high school. And I, we were answering questions that were already written out. And as I was like shuffling through the questions, one particular stood out to me because it was in Spanish. Huh. And it said, and I read it and it, 
es el, a veces siento que no merezco ir a la, a la universidad, which translates to, at times I feel as if I do not deserve to go to college. Huh. And I, I thought, I sat there and I was like, well, this isn't a question. This is a statement. Yeah. But it left me really inclined to, to respond to it in yeah. the classroom, in that space. And to me, I was like, my mom said I deserved better. Yep. And so she acted. Yep. She said she believed my brother deserved better. And so she acted. Yeah. And I'm like, and it's the reason why, like, I believe our kids deserve better. And I'm acting. I'm taking action because I'm really frustrated that we we say we're taking care of our kids. Mm-hmm. And I just don't see it. No, that's that's real. I mean, I hear that story a lot, right? Especially yeah. coming from Southwest Denver. Like, yeah. And I saw it when I was a, an admission counselor at DU. Like, I'd see these kids come in. It was always interesting to me because I would see people with, like, a 4.4 GPA mm-hmm. and a 16 ACT score. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, like, you know, we could have the debate around test scores or whatever, but it would impact their ability for scholarship dollars. Right. So then you got these kids that were, <laughs> they did everything right. They did everything that was asked of them and expected out of them. And then they came in and they didn't feel like they could thrive. I mean, shit, when I went into DU, like, I never did homework in high school. Yeah, yeah. Really, you know what I mean? I didn't know how to study. Like, yeah. I had to learn how to study in college. Um, and we hear that often um, with alumni through Ednium, with, right. uh, you know, we're doing this project on, uh, Latinos who identify as males that like, why aren't they going and finishing school? Mm-hmm. And the, a lot of the folks <clears throat> had that same thing for people that dropped out, for people that stayed was like, yo, I thought I was ready to roll. Like I was top of my class and I came in and I realized how behind I was. And like, I felt lied to. Right, it's, right. It's the ultimate takeaway from there. It makes, it's part of the reason why I do what I do as well. Yeah. You know? um, yeah, that makes me upset. Makes me upset. Yeah. And, and I like, you know, one of the things I was like, I wasn't the strongest test taker. If mm-hmm. you would have just gone off of my SATs and ACT scores, it would have yeah. said that I been like, I was like, yeah. you know, I wasn't going to be successful in college and whatnot. And I was like, but that's like, I was like, that's only a snapshot. Exactly. I was yeah. just like, if you looked at my grades in in school and what I my, my strengths were, which yep. was like literacy and history, yep. I got down with that. Math, I struggled. Yeah. And a lot of people do. Yeah. 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 And I was just like, but like, there was this piece of like awareness of like I kind of knew how to, uh-huh. you know, get figure it out. Yep. But I, I knew once I got to college, I was like I had all the skill sets. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. And then you probably knew, or correct me if I'm wrong, but I assume you knew how to kind of just like navigate that game a little bit. Like it seems, it seems like another piece of stuff that like is a barrier is just like no one had to navigate these like bureaucracies sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, did, do you feel like you had that skill set or is that something you had to develop? Like figuring out college and applying yeah. to college and the stuff? the paperwork, the <laughs> going to your academic counseling, how many credits do I need, which class should I take, you know, all that. Um, my answer to that is no, actually. Mm-hmm. I did not have those, that skill set. And I was just talking to a group of students recently and I was like, even though I had two older brothers who had gone to college, uh-huh. I felt like I was still figuring it out on, on my own hmm. um, because they didn't pass this like knowledge onto me. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I was very much the the kid that says, "Hey, mom, 
give me your social security number (laughs) and give me your like tax information so I could fill out the FAFSA. And I think I did a decent job, but I was like, I also think I lost probably a lot of um, opportunities that I didn't know. That you didn't even know that you didn't know. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I think I got lucky because um, there was this luncheon that I went to the University of Colorado Denver, so downtown. There was this luncheon and you know, still freshman year, still trying to figure out who like your group of friends are, yeah. like what, where you who, where you hang out. And there was this girl. She's like, I want to really go into this luncheon, and I wanted to study because huh. I had my first like major psychology test, and I was like, yeah. I was like, I need to study. And she's like, No, just come with me. And so um, I was like, All right. And I'm forever glad I said, All right, because it introduced me to the educational opportunity program. Huh. And that's where I, um, the Hispanic student services were housed, the black student services were housed. Um, you know, it's basically our, our multicultural center there. Yeah, yeah. And there was this um, professor there, Dr. Paul Insignias, and he's all like, telling us he's like come by come to this our office and told me like where it's at. i was like okay okay you know i just yeah. kind of like shoot him off not thinking too much about it and one day i show up to class and the class is canceled you know i'm like huh. what do i do for an hour yeah <laughs> an hour and a half <laughs> and i was just like well i remember this old this old crazy man to me at that time was like told me to go check up check him out in the office and everything and i never left that space it was where yeah. I learned to your point of that that the education opportunity program really showed me one not how to waste my time with classes that I didn't need to take. Yeah, that happens a lot. Yep, yeah. yep. He guided me through a lot of that process. Um, I I was exposed to internships. Yeah, I didn't know what internships were. I didn't know there was paid internships. Yeah, and that way that made a huge difference. Yeah. Um. And so it was really this community hub that showed me the the rest of the tracks for college, yeah. to be honest. And those places are so important. Mine was at DU, it was the Volunteers and Partnership Program. Okay. And uh, to your point of like passing that information down, like you got this space and then you were able to go to different DPS schools. Mm-hmm. And then like you're expected to like help kids through the college process, help kids through, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So you were only like a year or two ahead of them. But at least you could give a little bit of game. It makes back. a difference. <clears throat> and they paid you and they gave you a safe space to go. Linda, who's already gotten a shout out in this series too, but I always shout her out. That woman's changed my life. Yeah. Like having that like one person yeah. or that one crew or that one spot yep. for you to be able to say, all right, cool. I, like I found a place where I belong. Yep. Yep. Makes all the difference. You it, know? it really does. And, you know, I told you a little bit about how I used to go by Carol and, yeah. I didn't even think I introduced myself to Dr. Paul as, um, you know, once you get to college, you're your full, you're your full legal name. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was Carolina when I got in there, and yeah. I introduced myself as Carolina, and he goes, he goes, Carolina. He's like, get get Carolina. It's Carolina, ah. and he goes, roll that R, and <laughs> and it it sounds silly, but it made a, a difference yeah. onto feeling proud of my my identity and being proud yeah. of who I am culturally and how I show up to today and really celebrating that. And I think like as a teacher, I started noticing when my kids, you know, I've, yeah. I taught kindergarten through eighth grade, but when, um, you know, I would meet my, my kids 
it would first be April, right? Yeah. And then by the time they got to fourth grade, it was April. I was like, huh. and I'd be like, okay, April. Yeah. I'm like, it's April. I'm yeah. like, you know, um, trying to just celebrate the beauty of their names the way I was finally celebrated in college. And I, I think that made a difference too. Yeah, for sure. It's cool. It's cool to watch someone learn that lesson and then pass it back down, learn that lesson and then pa- pass it back down. You know what I mean? Um, as you think about like that same journey and you think about kind of how you've defined success for yourself and how it's changed over the years, mm-hmm. I guess, number one, like what was that process and how do you define success for yourself now? Mm-hmm. And like maybe what you just stated is it, but like, is there anything else that you think you wish you would have learned earlier or wish you would have learned in school that could have helped you be where you're at today? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think this very much influences even my way of thinking, and I wish I would have learned this earlier, even as, like, a teacher. Um, You know, uh, I think many times where you probably have had this experience of, like, why am I learning this? What, you know, I think of, like, try to think about, like, how I tap into my algebra skills, and I'm like, dude, did I ever? I was like, that had had such a huge impact of what my life outcomes were, right? Yeah, Um. And I see this in terms of with my kids. When I say my kids, I'm referring to my students, yeah. right? Like, you know, um, I see them starting to disconnect with learning early on. And like when I say early on, like I start seeing my fourth graders, fourth graders start checking out. And, hmm. you know, I, I ask them, you know, what are you learning? They'll like tell me like I'm learning line plots, I'm learning decimals. And I'm like, well, why Like, why are you learning this? He goes, I don't know. That's because, you know, the that's teacher told the, me exactly. Yeah. And it left me in a place, and more specifically, there's this one student that I keep um, very close to my heart and a student that I really feel that I um, failed. Hmm. And, you know, he's a student that um, knew he was academically, you know, not to par. Yeah. Um, Like I said, kids know. And... You know, in class, I could see he would get frustrated because he didn't understand, like, the content. And, um, you know, I I tried everything that I knew I could do, right? Like, Mm -hmm. everything that I, like, how I was necessarily taught. And even from, like, my own personal experience, I'm like, well, just, if you just try a little harder, you'll you'll get it, right? Um, And one day when I was teaching in class, uh, I was, like, really trying to teach to the very last minute. Yeah. And I checked my cell phone. I was like, all right, I have two minutes. I could finish this, right? Put my phone down. Didn't hit, didn't land right, right on the, like, the countertop. It fell. Yep. Phone screen shattered and everything. The kids, like, gasped. So, like, tried to save it, dive in. And I was just like, just leave it. It's okay. And yeah. like, I was we like, got to get back to this Yeah, lesson. yeah. I was yeah. like, I was like you're, t- you're learning so much more important. Because in my head, I was like, it's already broken. Yeah. Um, and the student, he goes, Ms. B, you need a phone cover. And I was just like, thank you. Thank you for duly noted, Eric. And he's like, I'm going to bring you one. Huh. And I was like, okay, Eric. Yeah. Next morning, getting ready for class, I see his head pop through like the door window. And he's he comes in. I wave him in. He comes in. He goes, Ms. B, I got you something. Huh. And I was like, okay, what is it? But what stood out to me was his smile. Yeah. His smile. He was so proud. Huh. And I realized that I had never seen that smile in class. Huh. 
I never saw it while like, you know, learning or anything. And it really broke my heart. Mm-hmm. And later that year, we went to the mountains. And at that time I was teaching in California. It was in, so we went to the Redwoods. And I had never seen him so engaged with this learning up until yeah. that moment. He was so excited. Yeah. He was asking the counselors question, questions. He was so engaged. Yeah. And he had that smile. Hmm. And it just made me realize, I was like, we are not connecting our learning to... The real world. Exactly. We're not building passion. Yeah. And I think about who I am today and how I make decisions. And what I've learned more about myself is everything that I do needs to be grounded in purpose. Mm-hmm. How is that any different for our kids? Yeah. Yeah. And how are we are we are we helping to facilitate that finding of purpose? Exactly. I would argue probably not. You yeah. know, I, I think I've told this story <laughs> on the podcast before. My son, this is one of my proudest moments, and one of like my like ah. Uh, he's going to a new school where they require uh, uniforms or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, I guess there's two stories here, but the, the, the one where he. I was the, a fan of the uniforms, by the way. You were a fan of the uniforms? Yeah, oh, kid. man. I, I hated them. Why, but. but yeah. <laughs> but he was. Uh, it's it's interesting because he, he went from a school that was like less. Uh, you know, you could wear hats, you could wear whatever. And then he went into another school. And we could, there's a whole conversation there around schools that are predominantly black and Latino and, yeah. you know, the dress code and all that stuff. But yeah. he walked into the class and I know he did this on purpose. Like he intentionally had a hoodie on over his like school shirt. And I know he did it. I know my son. And the teacher's like, well, you can't come in without, you know, without your school shirt or whatever. Yeah. To which he asked her, he says, why do you care more about my clothes than you do about my education? I thought that was crazy. And then he ended up talking to her and she's like, you think like an adult. He's like, no, I think like my dad. <laughs> that could be a really good thing or a really dangerous thing. You know what I'm saying? It's a good um, thing. But then when he was younger, like third or fourth grade, and to your point around kids know like what's up. Mm-hmm. He, uh, I picked him up from school one day. I saw he was frustrated. And then uh, I asked him, I was like, oh, what's wrong? I'm like, you like in school? Like, what's up? Third grade, mm-hmm. maybe fourth grade. He was like, Ugh. Dad, I feel like they care more about compliance than they do about me learning. Mm-hmm. I was like, where'd you learn the word compliance? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But they they feel that. Like, yeah. you know, and I think there's a lot of like layers to it. But th- the fact that he was able to articulate it in, in a lot of ways and just in different ways, kids articulating the same thing. Um, I don't think we're facilitating the passion. So I hear you on that for sure. And I hear that as a consistent theme. I mean, I, we heard it in the um, District 4 with with Gene and, and Michelle. Um, I think Carrie touched on this a little bit. And I, I keep hearing everybody talk about it, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know what the tangible steps are to fix that problem. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's, it's something that keeps me awake at night. Because we also hear it from alumni, too. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think, like, you know, with with the pandemic, I think there was things that came out that we didn't realize that we would have had the opportunity to reflect and invite more 
more individuals in the space to see what was actually happening. Yeah. You know, like remote learning gave parents finally a true window of what was happening with yeah. teaching. Yeah. Um, or learn like what what their kids were learning and I think another space is that we saw how we needed to rethink the structure of a, a school day. Mm-hmm. Um, in that, I think we need to just, I think if we operate within the, the mindset of learning needs to happen in the school, we're confining ourselves. Huh. And I think we need to expand on that. And I think I, my hope is that through the pandemic, we allowed ourselves to reimagine a little bit more yeah. about what school or how education could look differently. Yeah, for sure. And they're learning regardless. Right. right? Like they're learning something. Right. <laughs> and and too often times it seems like what they're learning is that they're not accepted or they're, you know what I mean? Like they're, they're learning, they, they could be learning bullshit if I'm being real. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, so how do we be more intentional around that kind of stuff? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a hard, it's a tough thing to try to crack. You know what I mean? Um, Let's shift gears a little bit because, like I said before, what I'm making sure everybody is clear about is, like, I'm not here to have people tell people who to vote for, which way to go. Like, I want them to just be engaged, yeah. you know. And, um, you know, a large part of this is coming from people saying that they're just they're tired of elections. They're tired of the politics. They don't trust politicians. They don't trust, like, any of that, like, um even with any of them, it's a lot easier to say, hey, let's go speak at this school, mm-hmm. you know, or let's go reach out to these kids. And it is, let's go talk to the superintendent. Like even just trying to coordinate that, it's a different level. Yeah. And um, and so what we're trying to do is like break down these like false dichotomies that have been, that, that have been created, false down these like barriers. I do believe that like a lot of folks, especially if you come from the communities um that you're looking to serve, like have a lot of similar stories, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I bet you any, like there's, we could go down, walk down federal right now if I have five people that have some type of a similar story that could relate to it, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but then too often we uh, find ways to shoot somebody down or whatever the case may be in these elections and try to put them in these boxes. And we're really trying to like, ex- you know, explore that with as many people as who are willing to sit down, like, right. We reached yeah. out to everybody <laughs> to come. Some people were down, some people weren't, which is cool. Um, what has been the experience? I guess I should frame it the way I framed it for other folks. If, uh, if you had to make a movie about the process of being a school board candidate, mm-hmm. what genre would it be? And if you could think of one, what would the title be of the movie? Oh, man. I think just by nature of who I am, the, the genre would probably be comedy. Yeah. <laughs> and the only reason why is because uh, no idea what I was doing. Still don't. Yeah. Still don't. Like, I mean, it's your first time doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, that's some of the, like, I'm coming to, like, what I call like the arc of an election running for a campaign, right? Like Mm -hmm. I'm coming to the end. I'm like, damn, if I would have known what I'd known when I first announced back in what June, I would have made a lot more like different decisions. Um, And I think like, I'm like sometimes could be very sporadic. And 
So I, I, was, I say it probably naturally fall into comedy with some like you know some some like learning lessons, key yeah. lessons that come out of it. Uh, I think the biggest thing that has been the most frustrating um, and most exhausting is fundraising. Huh. And and the reason why is because you know like you have a certain goal of fundraising money to to get mailers out, right? Yeah. Um to get mailers are like I had no idea how much a mailers cost, y'all. It looks like it's crazy expensive. It is expensive. Um so mailers, um getting like logo, getting your logo down. Yeah. Um and photography, like all these like little expenses you're just like whoa, like it's a whole different like market. Yeah. But what frustrated me and I want to make it clear, like, do not let this be the reason as to why not to run them. Yeah. Um, it's because, you know, I don't come from, like, you know, a background of money. I don't have yeah. friends or these, like, colleagues that could just write me yeah. these big checks. So when I fundraised my first, um, what was it? I think the first closing window, I can't mm-hmm. remember. I fundraised, the goal was to do $10,000 that round. Mm-hmm. And I got to eight. Mm-hmm. And for, you know, a certain group, that wasn't enough. Yeah. But for me, I will I will um, tell you, I was feeling really down. Hmm. Um, I went to one of the, these events, like um, a political event and Decided not even to engage that day. Yeah. Like I just went to go show face, sat down, and there was this um, my friend, and he was asking me like what was wrong, and I was telling him all about it. And he goes, "Did you do your best?" Huh? And I was like, "Yeah." He goes, "That's what matters." Yeah. He goes, "Be proud of that eight thousand dollars that you raised." He goes, "Those people who get, who donated to you gave it for you for a reason." Hmm. He's like, "Cherish that. They believe in you." And they don't poo poo. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like my grandma. She always makes me feel better about that. <laughs> <laughs> Everything I do, I was like, I better be able to look her in the eye and tell her, like, yeah, man, I tried and yeah. I know it'll be okay. Yeah. yeah. So I, I that's one of the things that I didn't answer because really where my heart is and what I want to be doing more so is door-to-door knocking, yeah. connecting with community. Like I was starting off with a cafecito chats, you know, yeah. like, yeah. That's how I started off. And I was like, people are going to come. Yeah. I, there was like one or two where like no one came. And I was just yeah. there like twiddling my fingers. <laughs> I was like, this is hysterical. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you got one or two. Oh, yeah. I, there was, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. There was some good, good. That good did come out of that too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I say comedy because I have, I'm a, such a planner. Yeah. So I I had everything like you know to a T on how beautiful this campaign was gonna run. Mm. It, it wasn't that <laughs> far from it. Far from it. And I think those are the types of things. And like I appreciate you being vulnerable about it because I, I feel like those are the types of like the types of pressures. And I'm sure it's happening to every candidate, right? Like there's some pressure, whether it be fundraising or whatever. Um, I think those are the things that people don't necessarily see. Like mm-hmm. in a real way, like how it impacts people as humans, um, mm-hmm. or they see it and they just assume like the money's going to run everything, or you know you got it from here, you got it from there, whatever. And uh, I think there's a lot, a lot of people checked out, 
you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think yeah. it's because people don't care about education. They don't care. It's not that they don't care about their community or whatever. They just haven't really, no one's really ever proven that that's the lever for actual change in our lives. You right. know, is what I'm, is what I'm hearing. Um, and I usually do this at the end, but like, with that being said, like, how do you, what do you hope, especially if like, we've hit our goal and people listen to these podcasts and they're like, you know what, I'm a vote yeah. for this for the first time. Um, what kind of mindset do you hope they're in? What do you, what do you hope they think about? And I'm not saying a pitch or a, yeah. for a vote or whatever, but like, what do you hope that they're going into it thinking about? Yeah. So I really appreciate that. And I always call you a philosopher, man. <laughs> uh, I really appreciate that because this is this is one thing that I want to be true at the end of this. You know, in Southwest Denver, as you know, like we're not like the highest numbers of voters out there. Yeah. Um, and my hope is that that this election could be the start of civic engagement. Hmm. My, you know, vote for me or not. Yep. If you. And I just, I told people that yesterday. I was like, get your ballots in. Yeah. Because your voice does matter. Your yeah. voice does matter as to who's representing us. Your voice does matter as to the decisions that they're they're making. Because if you didn't vote for them, someone else did. Yeah. And they're going to listen to that person who did vote for them. Yeah. Um, so that that's for me is a huge reason as to why I'm running and really hoping that I could inspire people to vote for the first time so they continue to participate in, yeah. civic, in civic engagement. And, you know, as a Latina, I hope it inspires more Latinos and Latinas to also yep. vote and continue doing so. Yeah. Just show up. Yeah. Showing up is like half the battle. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. I think I've realized, I mean, I've been having a lot of conversations and I and I think I realized I was like, damn, like in all these arenas, and it don't even matter if it's politics, if it's whatever, technology, if it's sports or whatever, like the people who show up are the ones that are running the show. Yeah. And like there's such a small group of people that are showing up to any and you can't show up to everything, you know what I'm saying? But like it's interesting how in this like echo chamber that is like education policy world there's actually such a small amount of people that are involved in it, even though it feels like it's our whole world. Yeah. That I think something that's actually, I think just benefited me in general is that like I, I'm continuously breaking out of that echo chamber, you know, and I see like <laughs> what, what's really popping, like right. what people really care about. And um, I think if we can expand that, we'll have more of an opportunity to truly have some power, yep. um, at least in this space and, and hopefully that can expand beyond it. You know? Right, right. Yeah. And one thing I want to say is like everything connects. Everything Absolutely. connects. Like yeah. I'm running for school board, but parents are getting probably, you know, t- you know, sidewalks are always the thing. That's yeah. not under my wheelhouse. Yeah. But it impacts my constituents. Trying if, to get to school. Exactly. And yeah. so like, who do I need to partner with? I need yeah. to pa- partner with the councilwoman. Yeah. It, I doesn't, need have, it doesn't all it, work in silo. Exactly. So yeah. that's the other piece is that your vote does impact other items that happen in your space. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Shifting gears again, favorite place to eat in District 2? Oh, depends the mood. Yeah. Um, but last night, oh man, Fuzz 79 is where I was trying to go last okay. night. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Fuzz, for me, hands down, 
Vespa, Vespa Vermicelli, love it. Yeah. And if you're trip. from Southwest Denver, you know it's it's fun land. Like, yeah, yeah, that's my favorite spot. Um, but if you're trying to go for a bami, um, you Saigon Bakery. Okay, okay. You ever try Cal Boba's? No. It's like a, it's a really wild place. It's like a steak spot, but they also serve like boba. Okay, okay. It's a nice little, it's right off of like, I want to I say Mississippi or Alameda in Federal. And that little like shopping center there. Yeah. Okay. Calbobas. You got to try out Calbobas. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Win or lose, I think it'll be a good little celebration spot. Celebration spot. to get boba. Yeah. It's funny. They, uh, the guy already knows me and my family at this point. Like, that's legit. Yeah. He just comes in like, all right, cool. Sirloin. All right, bet, bet, bet. <laughs> um, we haven't been there for a minute though. And I'm really mad because Andy's Kitchen right across the street from mm-hmm, Lincoln, mm-hmm. we used to hit that spot up. All the time, and it just got closed down. Yeah, what did it get changed to? I was just there yesterday, <sighs> but I think I found out whoever is running that new restaurant is actually Lincoln alumni. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's if I'm awesome. not mistaken. So it's like it's dope. And again, like another thing that we're trying to do from an Eddie spot is like, yo, people from our neighborhoods are doing a lot of They're, dope stuff. Yeah, you know, like whether they went to college or not, like right. the people are doing crazy cool things. I never saw that when I was there though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't know Susana Cordova went to Lincoln. Yeah. I didn't know Tim Marquez went to Lincoln. Like, all these people that did all this stuff. I'm like, well, where were they? We have to come back. We have to We have to come back. And that's what I'm hoping. That's the type of infrastructure I'm hoping Adnium can help create and facilitate. Mm-hmm. It's like, how do we create these networks and these groups and, and ways that we can communicate with each other, that we can relate to each other, and also see ourselves in these business owners, these restaurant owners. Exactly. these school board members, these nonprofit, you know, executive directors or whatever, these bankers, these lenders, these real estate agents, like yeah. our people are out here thriving. But like the narrative is always that we're like down in despair. Yep. Um, or the narrative is always like we we need to be coddled and taken care of. It's like, nah, bro, like just don't hide the information from exactly. us. Exactly. Yeah. You know, because we've proven that we can we'll we'll make a shake. I love Southwest Denver. I yeah. think it's so rich and beautiful in like so many aspects. Yeah. And the aspect that we're stronger, I feel like we're strong at the end of the day is coming together as community, especially when like mm-hmm. we hold each other and we also push each other. Yeah. Yeah. And it has its problems. Like we got yeah. our own bullshit to deal with. Like any other neighborhood. Like any other neighborhood, man. Yeah. But, you know, that's where I call home. We went and talked at Lincoln yesterday and, uh, I was I was telling my wife I was like damn like I don't get this feeling anywhere else mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying <laughs> like like that feeling of like where you walk in and no one gives a shit about like what you're doing or like what you think your status is or whatever like all these like false like pressures you put on yourself like yep. from day to day you're just you're just T Ray yep you know that's awesome what's yep. up man you hungry you feel me like go it's, talk to so and so go get you a plate yeah 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 or you need to go say hi to so and so make sure you say hi before yeah, you leave yeah where you been why yeah. haven't you talked to him you know what I yeah. mean like all that kind of stuff and it's that's uh that's home man and um yeah whatever happens in the election I'm really excited about the type of dialogue that we're able to start having um I'm excited about this like I wish we don't hear this on forums right right like right. we don't we don't hear this and when you have a two minute segment to talk about whatever some folks told you that you that are that's important you know what mm-hmm. i mean um i'm hoping that we could get this directly to the people and we're going to still do it yeah and uh you know whatever happens like we're still going to be grinding and the other thing i hope people understand is if someone's running for school board and i think about 
the vast majority of the people that are running for school board, for all the seats, they're all been engaged regardless. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So they're going to continue to be engaged. So how do we make sure that we're not burning bridges, that we're able to build these connections to where we could talk about the real stuff that matters in people's lives, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's so key is that we're human at the end of the day. Exactly. And like, let's let's keep that on top of mind when we are doing this stuff because we're still going to show up for a community no matter what. Yeah. And that's that's who we need to keep first and foremost, who yeah. our focus is. Yeah, 100%. Before we get out of here, do you want to, is there anything else that you want? to make sure people hear? I think just this morning when I was reflecting on as to the role and responsibility is not just for now. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you you and I talked about how our experience were, yeah. talked about my parent, my parents' experience with my brother. I was like, it's not just a now conversation. It's what we want you for generations. Hmm. And I think that's the time. That's where we need to start pushing ourselves to. Absolutely. For generations. For generations. Love it. I appreciate you coming through. Thank you for inviting me. All right. That's a wrap. All right, y'all. That was Carolina Viagrana running for District 2. Um, As always, we got the description. In the description, you'll be able to find all the polling places as well as an article from Chalkbeat who did a profile on all of the candidates running. I suggest that you do your research on every single candidate. And uh, really look forward to working with whoever the new school board is. Uh, tomorrow we'll be releasing a, uh, a group podcast for the at-large seat. Excited for that conversation. Again, vote, vote, vote. And uh, we'll see y'all tomorrow. Peace.